The following content is not suitable for children, teens, most adults, or anyone with a sensitivity to morons. Remember, some ideas are just stupid. That doesn't mean someone needs to be punished. Let's investigate that. Did that trigger you? Yeah, but not in any way that makes any logical fucking sense whatsoever. But... You can simulate <laughs> a terrible aviary, and I feel like I made a mistake. You know, actually, I do have a funny, a, a funny thing about the sex moves that I'll... But it's not, like, and it's not like you can just do a sex move whenever you want. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Mansploring. This is Jeff. I'm here with Dan and Chuck. How's it going this week, guys? Okay, so you take a movie, and you keep one human cast member, and you replace the entire other cast with Muppets. John Wick. Okay. Who is the human? John Wick. Okay. Ke- Keanu Reeves. All right. He's just beating the shit out of all the Muppets. <laughs> and you, you get the one specifically from, like, Labyrinth or the Dark Crystal. So they're the weird, creepy ones. And he is just shooting them in the head and uh, kicking the shit out of them constantly. I imagined, I just imagined John Wick, like, choking a Muppet to death. And it's just... <laughs> Have have you seen John Wick, Chuck? I have not. What? Oh, yeah, let's investigate that. But I've already already selected the movie I want to. What's that? Oh, okay. Everything, everywhere, all at once. All right. I haven't watched that yet. (gasps) Oh, you gotta. That's necessary. Yeah, Yeah, it's on my it's on my list, but I keep getting distracted by not that. Um. So okay. So who who is the human cast member? I don't want to spoil anything for Jeff. I actually think that Joe Butapaki should be the human cast member. And then, uh, you know, the uh, the uh, couple, the main couple are played by Kermit and Miss Piggy, of course. Oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. That would be really good. Who would? Hmm. Well, okay, yeah. We don't want to get into, like, like, spoiler territory. No, but if you're thinking of the father figure yeah that's sam eagle ironically oh that would be really good yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah because oh the the uh one one that i would earnestly like to see is knives out Uh yeah i was thinking that who would be the human character would it be daniel craig it would be it's gotta be what or would it be ransom Chris no. Evans is the only Ooh, That's yes. an interesting take. I mean, the obvious choice is Daniel Craig, obviously. For the, the human character. Like, but that's I mean, that's ooh boy. I think you're right. I think you're right. No, Ransom's gotta be played by that guy that throws the fish. Uh, that is a that's a know. like a deep cut puppet that I'm not familiar with. <laughs> it's this guy that's throwing fish all the time. I don't remember his name. Yeah, but no, I'm just thinking like because I mean, that the, there's some interesting characters uh, just in the movie. Like obviously Miss Piggy would be probably Tony Collette's character. Which one was that? Uh, she was the. Uh, oh man. You know what? I should have I should have uh, been more familiar with the cast before I brought this up. <laughs> but my other choice was Alien. What about if you're going to live cast a Muppet movie? 
yeah, like you, you you take a Muppet movie and then you replace the Muppets with human actors. That ooh, that seems less fun. You but... like Muppet Christmas Carol? Yeah, yeah. And just make like a live action human cast of a Christmas Carol. But yeah. they're still the Muppets. So whoever plays, uh, what the, what the fuck's his name? Not Scrooge, the other main character. Oh. The guy. Tiny yeah. Tim's father. Yeah. Oh, Bob Cratchit. Yes. No, Whoever plays Bob Cratchit. Him, I wanted to make him struggle with it for a while. <laughs> Let him dangle. <laughs> whoever whoever plays Bob Cratchit has to play Kermit playing Bob Cratchit. I Ooh. see. Yeah. I see. I do have to say that's one of my favorite tropes in uh in like a movie or a show with is when a character when characters switch places and then the actors have to do impressions of the other actor doing their character. I don't know. I'm trying to remember the the last show that I saw it in, but I, I was absolutely delighted when it happened. But every time it happens, I love it. So other movies that would be good to Muppet would be Nine and a Half Weeks, uh Schindler's List. Schindler's List. <laughs> okay. Schindler's Schindler, Schindler's List as a as a Muppet movie would actually be incredible. I think Schindler Schindler played by uh, Statler and Waldorf both. Uh-huh. <laughs> Can you imagine if we lived in that parallel universe where there was like a Muppet, like the Muppets just got real big, and then there was a Muppet Schindler Schindler's List in the nineties. That would be amazing. Silence of the Lambs. Oh, okay. Gonzo as Buffalo Bill. That one seems obvious to me. I love it. Yeah. And would all the women just be chickens? They kind of have to be because those are, other than Miss Piggy and Janice, those are the only female Muppets. Right. The hens. Yeah. I never noticed that. That is true. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very patriarchal. It's a giant sausage party over party over there in the Muppet yeah. zone. Yeah, hmm. it, it's funny. I never really thought about that, but that really does kind of limit your options as far as Muppeting. Well, sadly, I guess it doesn't limit your options as much as you would like it to have. Yeah, given how there is really only one female character in Silence of the Lambs, two <laughs> if you count the victim. Basically, yeah. <laughs> American oh. History X. Ooh, okay. Again, you'd have to keep Edward Norton as the human. Yes, so I think so. You see him curb stomp Fozzie. <laughs> yeah, that okay. That feels right to me. <laughs> curb stomping Fozzie feels right to you. <laughs> All right. I think that's the title of this episode. Is <laughs> curb stomping Fozzie just feels right. <laughs> um. Who's going to play the Lawrence Fishburne character, though? Okay, I have to I have to admit something. I've never seen American History X. I've only seen the curb stomping scene, which is ironically the reason that I don't want to watch the movie. Well, you'll be pleased to know that right before the curb stomping, there are boobies. I feel conflicted about that. Not in the same. Oh <laughs> yeah, not not okay. <laughs> they they cut to a, a, a different scene. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you've seen the curb stomping scene, then you've seen the worst that movie has to offer. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know what my problem is. I don't know. You don't like giant 
explicit violence. Well, okay. I will say I I have figured out that there is a trigger for me as far as uh, like TV shows, and it is what I call sudden violence. I I don't think this is again like that same thing that I was talking about last week, where I'm pretty sure it's a identifiable phenomenon, but I don't know the like correct word for it, so I just made up a phrase. But yeah, it's it is sudden mm-hmm. violence. So it is. Uh, a scene where someone is waving a gun around and you do not know whether or not it's the type of show to have the gun suddenly go off for comedic or dramatic effect. So like the moment before the gunshot is terrifying for me. So would like the Pulp Fiction scene in the car count? A hundred percent it does. Yes. Okay. That, that even, is... though, even though going into it, you know that people like, okay. Yeah. And, and even though I've seen the movie before. So like the that that like pregnant moment right before the violence happens is mm. uh, is like that it really gets me and I don't know if there's a phrase for it so I can't search on the internet for like trigger warning stuff. How are we muppeting Pulp Fiction? <laughs> <laughs> so I, okay, I feel like it has to be Kermit and Fozzie. As Jules and what's his face? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Or Kermit and Rolf, because Rolf is black, for sure. Rolf uh, is Samuel L. Uh, Jackson? Like, offensively so, yes. Wait, like, is a stereotype? Yeah. yeah. Oh. I mean, I just, like... He plays jazz, man. <laughs> okay, yeah, well... I don't well, know. So does I... that blue guy with the saxophone. But... Yeah, he doesn't count, though. No, yeah. I just... Uh, I I just made that judgment in the same way that like Skeeter from Doug is black, even though he's he's actually yeah. blue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I kind of felt like Statler and Waldorf. Okay, mm. Statler. Okay, Statler and Waldorf is a very funny one, <laughs> uh, and I would like to see that movie. But yeah, it would you would have you'd have the Gimp played by Beaker. <laughs> I actually think Bruce Willis's character should be Kermit. Yeah, yeah, I could see oh, that. Yeah, that I think sense. you're right. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking, I was, I was sticking to tradition. I was like, I mean, you know, it's, the, it's like the leading roles who's going to be on, like, on camera most. And I was like, I mean, it's got to be, you know, and Kermit are all for friends, right? Uh, there's some sexual tension in there. <laughs> No, I was just going to say tension, and then I threw the word sexual in at the last minute. Of course. Just to see if I could be more provocative. Dogs fucking frogs, film at 11. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll skip it's, that one. Yeah, it's funny. That's, like th- That is, I was thinking the exact same thing. Very slippery. It sounds slippery, really. That's what you're going to go with. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah. It's, it sounds very fatal. So I read this book recently. For the frogs. Uh, I read this book recently called uh, The 90s by an author that I like named Chuck Klosterman, who's a pop culture critic. And he was talking Mm -hmm. about how films like American History X, uh, in his view, couldn't, one of the chapters talking about how those kind of films couldn't be made today. I thought that was a pretty interesting topic of uh, how the pop culture or how the media landscape has changed or the audiences have changed to where certain types of provocative art are not considered acceptable or not given backing anymore. 
I have opinions about that. I think that's very interesting. So I'd like to talk about it. I think I think that a lot of uh, the kind of uproar about, oh, this couldn't be made today, like audience backlash, a lot of it has to do with media illiteracy. There was a, a discussion that I was reading about some people who were talking about the Star Wars sequels. And they, like, long story short, the what they were saying was basically that uh, a movie is kind of like a Wikipedia article and it just it just like gives gives you information. And so like if a character who is obviously the bad guy says something, it must be true. Like they're not lying for their own motivations. They like the 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 person who was writing the thing did not understand that it was like telling a story. It was like they were reading a Wikipedia article of gotcha, a list of gotcha. facts. So I think that uh, a big problem with of the it can't be made today is the audience is incapable of separating like what the author is saying from what the story is saying from what the characters are saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so they just take everything at face value and they see something offensive, they're offended by it and they don't understand the context. Well, I think there's a, a difference between, I mean, movies and film are different. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that American History X was not necessarily like a blockbuster, mm-hmm. right? And I think that those types of movies are st- or films are still being made. Mm-hmm. They're just not gaining as much popularity as they used to because the cinema space has been completely overtaken by things like Avengers and Superman and like comic book stories and fluffier stuff. Okay, so basically, like the the landscape has gotten less serious, less artsy. Yeah, and the stuff that I think, like between YouTube and streaming platforms, the stuff that um, used to be like American History X that's still getting made is just going directly to those platforms. Uh-huh. Like there's a, there's a tremendous amount of queer content on Hulu, for example, right? And it's really good stuff. Oh yeah. Okay. No, I see. I see what you mean. Yeah, I think you're so right. The provocative stuff is out there, but it's because it's for a more niche audience, niche audience. Then you kind of have to hunt for it in a different place. It's not going to be shoved down your throat by Hollywood on all the every thirty second spot that you might see. Yeah, it was a different. So it was a different landscape, a different ecosystem, and so we should think of those movies not as. Um, that we should think of them as breakthroughs. They they were the ones that were able to to get into theaters, uh, whereas now you're getting a lot of stuff that necess- wouldn't necessarily get into theaters, but it doesn't need to. It can go directly to the audience mm, yeah. instead of having to be like having to fight for its life at the the box office. That's interesting because on the one hand, I like I would prefer people to be more disturbed. Like, I, I like the idea of people getting disturbed, like coming to a movie theater because this movie's out and it's been advertised and they don't know what they're in for. And then they get disturbed by like some curb stopping and et cetera. Mm-hmm. I love have that. You, have you seen Nope? Nope. I have. So I have seen parts of Nope. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, Jordan Peele, is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jordan Peele is making the movies that you're talking about and they are 
gaining a lot of cr like critical acclaim. Yeah. So Us, he did that one also. And Nope. I mean, they're horror movies, so they're kind of have this a limited audience in that way, but they are also strong social commentary. Mm -hmm. it, and he's very good at making that, like wrapping that social commentary in, you know, an interesting, engaging story. Like like the same way they did in the 80s with action movies and um, gore movies in the 80s. There's also a place for weak social commentary. Yeah, it's uh, this podcast yeah yeah i think we're on the forefront yeah we are the cutting edge of bullshit social commentary <laughs> social commentary yeah yeah irreverent and irrelevant there's also something to be said for people having being empowered to kind of choose their experience more you know we have trigger warnings for a reason oh yeah yeah that's and different. there's nothing wrong with that but i do I personally find it to be like a virtuous thing to challenge yourself sometimes. Like watch something that makes you uncomfortable, uh, listen to something that makes you sad, try and eat some crawfish. Jeff's opinions on AI art, hmm. although right, also known as ART. ART. Um, I'm I'm of two minds on it, honestly, because so I had a discussion in my sculpture class on yesterday, actually, about uh, that guy who gave a, a paintbrush to an elephant and trained the elephant to kind of wave his trunk around and make a painting, right? And the discussion was, who is the artist? in that situation and is it the elephant no because there's no like intent and he's just doing but is the guy because i mean it depends on his intent so if his intent is to make a commentary on who is the artist then i would say yes and i think you run into the same problem with ai where if you put aside the intellectual property theft mm -hmm. that is rampant within the ai art scene um then you get that question of obviously at this point an ai can't have intent or i think we can assume that for now right um therefore whoever is prompting the ai to make the art is the artist and if we can find a way to do that without stealing other people's art like happens now then i think that could be really useful yeah the right now i think the ai is just a very complicated paintbrush i don't like the comparison with elephants i we are a pro elephant podcast i think we're establishing that pretty early on because this is the second episode in a row that we've brought up elephants i think elephants could absolutely do art i yes. agree yeah. i agree yeah how so explain explain yourself well they hold the brush with their trunk apparently and are sort of trained on how to use it and they play Anything that plays can make art because that's that's all the art is. And I, is it really? Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. Yeah, there's loads of evidence that elephants have complex social and emotional realities. And why would they not be able to express that if given a tool to do so? Like they don't have vocal cords the way we do. 
but their behavior would indicate the level of sophistication there that I don't have any reason to think they're not capable of creativity. I'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. But creativity is a form of abstraction, right? All art is ultimately an abstraction and elephants are having a sense of yourself and understanding your place in the universe is an inherent part of the process of creating art. But I will say, and this is an absolute, it's going to sound like a bullshit answer, but I mean it sincerely. Um, we are looking at it, at, we're looking at it with a human bias. We have decided that we are smarter than elephants because we have created a scale on which we are smarter than elephants. Elephants. I, I think that was true in the past. I'm not yeah. certain that that is true now. And I think it's because of the uh, advances in the last like five to 10 years, specifically in the the complexities of the brain and understanding where that sense of self is housed in our brain is that's fucking amazing when you think about it and also kind of tells us how we're different than elephants yeah. and and a way in which we have evolved to be different yeah. i don't want to say better but different it could be possible that that art is uh like a fluke of humanity that in that maybe it is something that that we do specifically as primates okay wait quick uh little sidestep here have either of you ever heard someone use the phrase skin ape yes i have not okay what is a skin what oh okay I don't know what it means i've just heard it it sounds like a racial slur doesn't it yeah kind of yeah which, which is too bad because I, I thought that that was a pretty cool name for humans. Maybe if you, like, if you were an alien and you came down mm. and you're like, okay, like you're the apex primate, you're, yep. you're a skin. Those ones are the hair apes and those one are the skin I, apes. Yeah. I, I respectfully disagree. Yeah. Uh, only because I would not want to deny other primates their skin, which they clearly have. <laughs> Well, I disrespectfully agree <laughs> and think that other primates can go fuck themselves. Um, and then, wait, I wanted to touch back on something when, when I, because when I said that art is is play, uh, and I just wanted to, because I feel like there's two ways to look at that, is either that I'm that I'm diminishing art, but I'm actually elevating play, because I think that play is another very important thing uh, and I think that if we had more play in our day-to-day -day life, humanity would be better off. I concur. Yes, I disrespectfully agree with that. People are doing AI art and then just kind of like farting it out there. Like, I feel like the the big thing for AI, AI art is to be like, hey, AI, make this for me. And then you as an artist be like, like, make this make this in my style or make this as a reference or make this as like a background thing and then use that to augment your art like yeah i think i think it has the potential to be an amazing tool but but people aren't doing it like did you see that that video that the corridor crew put out i saw the hubbub about it but I yeah they, they, myself. they made a rock paper scissor anime and it's just a completely unedited basically ai like all they did was just kind of like mush everything together and it looks awful and like the fingers are all weird and stuff like that. But I think it would probably look pretty good if they cleaned up some of the stuff, applied like more traditional techniques to 
to like smooth the edges. Look up uh, the YouTuber Joel Haver, H-A-V-E-R. Yeah, I know him. Yes, he yeah. does that, that kind of rotoscope. He does that exact same like AI-driven rotoscope, intentionally leaving it rough and flat and horrible, and it is fucking hilarious. Yeah. And that's part of why it's so hilarious. There's got to be a place for pigs in space. In, like, Star Trek, like, if we're going to muppetize the Star Trek or Star Wars movies, somehow we've got to integrate pigs in space. Sorry. Pigs in space! Didn't they already do... Is it just my imagination, or didn't they already do a Muppet Star Wars? Yeah. Something, uh, something about AI brings me sadness, and something about the idea of elephants doing art brings me happiness let's start with elephants what is it about elephants doing art that makes you happy i think it's like a sense of being moved by new connection or new frontier of communication or i don't know just less separation like it kind of makes you feel like we're closer to them than we think we are right or maybe it's like the sense of a new, you know, some some sort of new discovery for the elephant. Like I'm empathizing with the elephant and finding like maybe a sense of you might remember flowers for Algernon. Mm-hmm. Like yep. that story fucked me up, and I don't know why they make us read it in the seventh grade. Then then they made the movie about it, which I don't remember, but man that story fucked me up but also like that's multiple levels of like okay there's more sophistication being discovered here by this person which is a beautiful wondrous thing and an empowering thing and it also sucks (laughs) like it's not necessarily any better but how much are we how much of that drive is the us attributing too much to elephants for example like yeah, because well, we can we can look at a painting that an elephant did and sit there and say oh it's so amazing look at him communicate he thinks he's people and then but really is that what's happening or is that yeah. just what we see because we want it to be that way yeah i think we're we're just projecting what we want to see on the elephant's art because even if the elephant did it with intention we can't understand the intention it's what we do with all art yeah, but I mean, there's a certain level of commonality between people that allows you to kind of guess at what the artist was thinking. Um, well, and, and there are rules to art. Like, everybody th- everybody always assumes that there's this big nebulous thing called art that uh, is just exists, and people look at it and pretend to know what's going on. <laughs> but there are very specific things that people do when you're say creating a painting that is intending to communicate certain things and there's this multi-thousand year history of people developing techniques to communicate things through painting i get that i mean a flower i've noticed in the art world a flower is always a vagina no matter what it's like shorthand for vaginas yeah. throughout history no matter under any circumstances and do you think an elephant would ever understand that? Well, okay. that's different, though, because you, elephants cannot see vaginas. What? That's pretty narrow-minded. 
Well, uh, have you ever tried? How would an elephant see its own vagina? No, it can see another elephant's vagina. Mm, they are social creatures and don't wear clothes. And it's on the back. Yeah, I suppose. Okay. But they, yeah. Like, so here's one of the things that blew my mind in painting class. I'm taking painting this semester. And we, you talk about, like, the depth of a painting, right? And how, like, you, it looks like there's multiple layers, even though it's only 2D. And you can do different things to make it feel more or less deep in different areas. Um, but part of what blew my mind about it is the techniques that I've learned to be able to place objects or brush strokes or lines in certain places in that depth. So it, I have to, when I'm creating a painting, I have to think about it as a 3d object, even though it's ostensibly very close to 2d as close to 2d as we can get in our world. But I have to think about it as 3d because I have to say, all right, I want this line to be on this layer. And in order to get that there, I have to paint this first, then paint the line, then paint this over here, and then cover up the line a little bit with this, but not too much. And if I do do too much, I have to know how to undo that to put that line exactly where I want it. Right. And I'm making abstract, only abstract art. That's all I make in painting is abstract art. So it's literally just about where am I placing those lines? And I I don't think an elephant would ever be able to comprehend or understand that level or that language that that painting uses right that's that's true but so i I think here's my point i know as i feel like i know as much about painting after hearing you say that as an elephant does and the only difference between us is that i could learn those techniques because they are uh they're comprehensible to humans Mm -hmm. whereas that elephant because it is the first elephant painter would have to invent all of those in i again i disagree i think you can listen to a song and be moved by it without knowing how to play music oh okay hold on because elephants can't appreciate art oh that's a whole other discussion because art is in its essence a an abstraction that is used for communication it requires a level of self-awareness that elephants cannot physically have so you know, yeah. the, you know this about elephant brains i'm assuming yeah i'm not making that assumption sure. i'm not making that assumption i am fascinated by what it must be like to never be able to see your own genitals and only see others genitals like that's true of elephants i mean it's not that bad <laughs> Thank you, thank you. But, Took you a second. All right, but, you got, <laughs> but you know he's got like mirrors and like you can have somebody take a picture and show it. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But okay, no, that that is kind of an interesting to think about uh, thing to think about. Like, because I mean, elephants are very handy with their trunks, and they do live in groups. Like, their trunks are not quite long enough for masturbation, though. <sighs> Yeah. And you you know this? Yeah. <laughs> I was at a zoo one time and I was watching one try. <laughs> oh, poor guy. 
And really, how intelligent can anything be that can't masturbate? Well, it can't masturbate with its trunk. And honestly, the only difference between masturbation and art is intent. Yeah. Nobody ever intends to make art. At what developmental point does a human being become capable of art, would you say? Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I think I remember hearing there there's this scientist who did a bunch of behavioral studies on children and he said that like a a child isn't a person until they're like four or five i think 24 25 in my mind that's gonna disrupt the abortion debate i think <laughs> like they they don't have they don't have like the like you can't you can't reason with them at all yeah 24 25 yeah yeah so like I'm thinking of a, say, a two-year-old who is going to do some, like, pretty, what we would consider primitive finger painting, you know, nothing that was really recognizable. But if the two-year-old's given a selection of colors and says, uh, blue, I want blue, Mm -hmm. that's intent. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think that uh, as soon as an infant is able to, like, stack blocks on purpose, I agree with the intent. I, I think that as soon as a, a kid is able to stack blocks on purpose, they, they are making art. Because again, I think that art and player are the same thing. I have every reason to think an elephant would be likewise. Here's the question. Oh, go ahead. I think we run into the limitations of this conversation at this point, because mm-hmm. how, like, how you define art is one of those things things that is one of the great unknowns the great unanswerable questions of humanity we're gonna solve it (laughs) yeah it has been and always will be fought about yeah um and the purpose that you're defining art for tells you how you define art if that makes sense in a scholarly context art is defined as blah 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 in a colloquial context we just define art as blah 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 right okay that's true speaking of limiting expression or self-expression saw a headline today that in massachusetts there was a person who was hired as a superintendent of schools and then had the job offer rescinded uh after he sent an email that contained the word ladies and the school board decided that that was a microaggression and rescinded his job offer and i find that disturbing because I think the use of the word ladies is hilarious, especially as has been noted by others at the end of a sentence, as in putting it at the end of any sentence is fucking hilarious. Ladies. ladies. <laughs> and if he was doing it in that way, he should not only be hired, but paid double what they were going to offer him. And like, that's the way that he used it? Well, I don't know how he used it. Oh, okay. But that detail wasn't in the article. I feel, uh, yeah, I mean, I do feel like that with that information, I feel like it's an overreaction to rescind <laughs> the job offer. Well, the only other thing I know about him is that his first name is Vito. Oh, yeah, no, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty uh, awful. Ladies. And with that, I think it's about time we wrap things up. Thank you, Chuck and Dan, for joining me today. Uh, Thank you all for listening in. Hope you have a good week.